Welcome back to Earth Day Kitchen Chats. How are you today, Christy? I'm doing great, Cheryl. How are you? I'm good. I'm finishing off the last of my coffee for the day in this cute little mug I actually got from Starbucks, which is not my favorite place, but I love this mug. It is ceramic and I can heat it up in the microwave and it stays warm for a long time. That is a really nice mug, actually. And it's the 20 ounce, right? Yes, well, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> What do you got today? I have my travel mug again because yet again I am at your house. So traveling. Traveling and it has iced coffee in it today instead of hot coffee because it's 182 out. It's ridiculously warm. Well, I've been thinking about our last episode a lot, realizing there's some things that we really didn't cover. One thing is stale bread. Stale bread, stale crackers, the stuff that goes stale. It's not yet moldy, but I don't really want to use it. Well, it also, the texture is bad. Right. So. And nuts, too. I opened up my jar of walnuts the other day, and there was that same awful aroma coming out. Nothing wrong with them, but I just didn't feel like eating them anymore. Yeah. Okay. So uh, your solution, then? So my solution to the nuts is to put them in the oven. It doesn't take very long. And, you know, for me, timing is always a difficulty because I get sidetracked and I forget. <laughs> so the key is to set a timer and put them on very low. Then you're much less apt to burn. And it is more as if it's acting as a dehydrator if it's on at like 150 or 200. Right. Right. It, so it works both for things that have gotten limp or damp because of humidity or moisture, mm -hmm. as well as dried out and stale. So I do nuts and, of course, bread, make toast, but you can also make croutons. I had a real resistance making croutons for a long time. Really? Why? Because they either came out too spongy or I put them back in and they're briquettes. Yeah, I'll tell you something. I've noticed that the cost of croutons is kind of crazy and it's almost worth it to let some bread go stale and then chop it in squares, put it in the oven, because then you're not paying anything, essentially. You've already bought the bread. So croutons inevitably come in those non-recyclable plastic packets. So I am learning to make croutons. I mean, I have been toasting bread my entire life. Surely I can master toasting <laughs> cubed bread. And once you have those croutons, of course you can make stuffing, which is something I enjoy more than I should. My mother used to dredge fish in milk and breadcrumbs. Did you? Did oh, you yeah. Fish and pork chops sometimes and chicken breast. Yeah. You can also use your stale crackers, ground up small breadcrumbs. breadcrumbs and well, probably the nuts too. I love fish that's been encrusted with nuts. Okay. So that's how we can use up the breads, some of the nuts, some of crackers is through dredging. How about stale bagels? I want to learn to make bagel chips because you can put all kinds of seasoning on those and that's a healthier choice than potato chips because I would make baked bagel chips as opposed to you know, something fried. Deep fried, right. Well, bagel chips I think sounds wonderful and they will love those because that'll be a snack. What else goes stale? Graham crackers for pie crust. Pie is one of my favorites. And then you take it to somebody else's house. Oh, brilliant. I see. It's a lovely hostess gift. So those are just some thoughts I had about using up stale stuff as opposed to just tossing it or even going into the compost. I think that's still a good option, but why not use it up 
as we discussed last time, we paid money for this. Instead of to just yeah, letting the rooms have it, yeah. our, our pet worms. As long as it's not too stale, I'll deal with it. But when it's too stale, then we can do all of these wonderful things. Another thing we touched upon last time and didn't really cover fully mm-hmm. is reviving, especially produce. Well, I remember mentioning celery. Yes. And one of the reasons why I did was because I had seen this video. It snapped with me because I always have celery that goes bad. So I'm always cutting off the ends and sticking it into a glass and and water. Yeah. It lasts a long time that way. It does work. But in this video, I saw somebody saying, put it in just right away. Put it in foil when you buy it. And it will stay that way in the crisper for weeks and weeks. And avoids using those plastic bags. Right. Aluminum foil can be reused and reused and reused. I actually do reuse my aluminum foil. If for nothing else, I put it on the bottom of the oven Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to ever clean that ever, ever again. (laughs) I'm with you there. And also, I'm pretty good at reviving limp lettuce by plunging it into an ice water bath. Huh. Leave it just a few minutes and it really makes a big difference. So this is heads of lettuce? I usually have romaine. I've also done it with carrot that have gone, as you say, kind of rubbery. And it helps. It does? It helps. It's not going to be 100%. They're a lot less rubbery. It makes them crunchy enough that I enjoy eating them again. Well, can they be cooked though and roasted and, Absolutely. Not, yeah. and not be rubbery? Yeah. So, uh, do you have any other tricks for reviving produce that's not moldy but not as crisp as we would like? Well, again, you know, freezing. You can always cook something and freeze it. Which brings me to another thought for our discussion today is other ways to preserve food besides the freezer, which you live alone. I don't. My freezer gets so full. Packed, yeah. And to the point where we do have a standalone deep freezer, mm. which, unfortunately, the power went out on the circuit breaker, flipped while we were out of town, didn't know it, whole thing defrosted, and I, I lost months of uh, bone broth that I've made because I keep that for a long time. So I was thinking about other ways of preserving food. I know my grandmother did a lot of canning. I had absolutely no interest in learning at the time she was alive. And now I don't know how to do it and I wish I did. You know, the only people that I know that do things like canning or dehydrating. Dehydrating is another good way. Yeah, they are. But these people live on farms. You'd be surprised. I've started following some people on social media who are urban homesteader kind of people. Do a lot of canning, preserving food, pickling. I don't know about you, but I love pickles. I love pickles too. And also, these are things that I'm not familiar with. I just started doing some research because of my upset with the freezer. There's got to be a better way to preserve (laughs) some of this stuff. You know, it's not going to work for your ice cream, but vegetables that are about to go bad, I, I would love to learn how to pickle them because I like pickled things. I, I know somebody here in my community whose boys big protein eaters, and so she used to dehydrate strips of meat for them, you know, to be able to take in lunches and that. That's jerky. Jerky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's jerky. And also, you can preserve things in oil. I mean, I've been given those beautiful bottles of oil infused with rosemary or something if you have a lot of you know yeah i have too they're wonderful gifts yeah i just read that it's a a a natural preservative that prevents spoilage by isolating food from air Mm -hmm. that causes things to go moldy so Mm -hmm. preventing contact with air that's what the purpose of canning you know pulling it out of the boiling water helps seal in seal out the air so there's there's all kinds of things for people who are 
happy in the kitchen. Happy in the kitchen. But there is always that question of when are we going to do this? I don't know that I'd be able to do this stuff. And that is it's what, a lot. It's a time, very time consuming thing. And you can't always stop and say, oh, I've got some rubber carrots. Let me drop everything mm -hmm. and go pickle and can mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes time. And so I think a big part of it is making a plan. For example, if you usually grocery shop on Sundays to get food for the week, then make Mondays a salad night or a vegetable soup night so you know you're committed to using up some of those veggies that you just bought at the grocery store or the farmer's market. But maybe that's part of the solution. Being mindful of what we've got and what we have. I yeah. actually keep a, a list on the side of my kitchen cabinet of things that are in my refrigerator that are ready to eat. For example, feeling hungry and so tempted to go look for a bag of chips, but I can go to my list of ready to eat and say, you know, there are apples in there that I really need to be eating up, so I can make that choice instead. I also keep on the list of things that are in the refrigerator that need some prep or cook time so that when I'm going hunting for idea for dinner, look at this list first. Use the fresh stuff first, as opposed to just pulling out a box or a can of something. Your organizational skills are incredibly impressive. Did you know that, Cheryl? It's not something that comes naturally to me as much. It is something that I make myself do because this is a priority for me. I love that you do that. And I think it's much less time consuming than breaking out the canning jars. <laughs> if you even have them. So I'm all for avoidance of having to do that right. by making your lists and making sure that there are dates on things. I'm making habits of things. For example, I keep thinking I want to go to my local farmer's market and it's on Tuesdays and I forget. Every Wednesday, I think, didn't go to the farmer's market again. I'm actually reading a great book on habit. And so it's got me thinking about the farmer's market, because I have errands to run every week. I try to group them together, you know, do one big errand run, mm -hmm. save money and time and efficiency and oh, yeah. all of that. Mm -hmm. So if I schedule for errands on Tuesdays when the farmer's market is open, I'll be out running around. It will just be mm -hmm. a natural stop mm -hmm. to go to the farmer's market. Yeah while I'm out getting cat food and whatever else it is. And you know what else farmer's markets do, I think, that are so positive is that you can just buy the vegetables without all the packaging or the fruits without the packaging. Yes. And that is why I knock myself in the head every now and then when I forget to go to the farmer's market on Sundays, because the Sundays is where mine is. Because I know that I'm going to have to buy stuff now, and if it's in a grocery store, and especially in Trader Joe's, packaging, plastic and packaging. And it's going to be fresher and probably more yes. nutritious than produce that's been flown in from Chile. Yes. The average American meal has flown like 1,500 miles, and that means it's picked before it's ripe, and yeah, they can only ship things that don't go back, etc., so it's a great idea to shop your farmer's market. And it's earth consciousness. Yeah. It's eco-consciousness. That, that is reducing the carbon footprint of that meal because it didn't have to fly from gosh knows where. And it was just right down the street really picked uh, that day. And you're supporting local farmers too. Yeah, that's always nice. That's always One other time-saving idea that occurred to me is the oven. When I've got something going into the oven for dinner, I've got it prepared, I've got it in there. Then I start rummaging around the kitchen and thinking, okay, what's about to go bad? What veggies in, in the crisper could be tossed in? Oh, I've got some beets. Let me clean those up while the oven is on so I'm saving energy because I'm not turning the oven on 
five times. I'm going to turn it on once. I'm going to cook dinner. Oh, I'm going to clean up and roast those beets that I've got in the crisper. I'm going to test my nuts to see if they've gone stale. I might toss them in there. And if I've got a couple of minutes, you know, I'm going to cube that stale bread and hope for the best for croutons. <laughs> but that's a kind of a time saver as opposed to stopping five times and saying, oh, now I need to go roast some veggies. Oh, now I discover the nuts have gotten stale thinking about the oven is on, what can I throw in there? Yes, of course, especially in the summertime, you only want your oven on once. Absolutely. Okay, I think these are all wonderful. I have one more thought. I have been tossing around this idea and I have not acted on it yet, but I bet this is already being done. The cooking co-op. Get together with two or three other people in my local community who would like to be doing more of this stuff, but don't have time to can and cure with salt and pickle and roast. But if someone, say, makes an amazing marinara sauce and they can it, they would share with me and whoever else is in the cooking co-op. Whereas I am going to master the fine art of making croutons and I would be able to share those in return. It's so much easier to make a little bit more than to make a bunch of. Totally agree. That is a great concept. Well, community. Mm -hmm. Community is so lovely. And if you do have people that you can gather and everybody has a different strength. So exactly. you're going to be the crouton queen. I think that we've established that. Somebody else is going to be the pickling queen right? And or king. And somebody else is going to do the salting, the curing, and dehydrating. So they, don't, they won't have to do all of it. Right. They'll just do a little bit more. And that is actually really easy to do a little bit more than do uh, a little bit of several different things. Exactly. I don't know exactly how that's going to work out yet, but I'm going to give it some thought. Okay. Think about that. And if anybody does do that, who's listening, I kind of like to hear about sure. what please, they're... Please let us know. Jot a comment on our Facebook or mm -hmm. Instagram. That would be great to know about how have you had this work. I know there are people who organize fruit swaps. If you've got a lemon tree, you've got a bazillion lemons, mm -hmm. and you've got no apples or whatever, and mm -hmm. then they trade fruit. So why not trade with people you trust? I would have to be... <laughs> cooking co-op with people I trust because canning, you know, is something you want to do right. But to have a group of people that you trust to share food with, I think would be a, a big time saver if you really want to invest in doing some of these things. I think it would be wonderful. Plus it's just relationship building. I mean, it builds connections. That's just such a multi-purpose positive activity that I think it's really worth looking into. We were going to talk about this stuff that's in the refrigerator that are all used by dates. Or even in the cabinet though. You go looking through soup cans and realize something is three months out of date. It drives me crazy, those dates, because nine times out of ten, I'm going to open that can. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But how many people will throw it out because the use-by date is passed? Yeah, I, I have reconciled the dates because I do believe that they are somewhat arbitrary. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know that when the tin can is bulging on bulging. the top, don't even open it. Yeah. But other than that, most things last a lot longer. So people who are really conscientious of the use by date and start throwing things in the trash, it would be a great thing if we could come up with ways that they could use this stuff instead of just throwing it in the trash and going to the land. Right. So I said, use some common sense. If you open a jar or can and it still looks good, it smells good. There's nothing green. There's nothing furry. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just more adventuresome some people, but I'm going to try it. Yeah, cast iron stomach here. I'm going to try it too. I reuse everything. If I have a big jar of yogurt and it's got green around the rim, I 
I'll take out maybe a good third of what's left in there, take it out to be sure. I'm going to eat the rest and I am still living here. So, Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. So composting, do you compost that? The guidelines are for home composting to avoid dairy, dairy and yeah. meat. But frankly, I put in small amounts of yogurt or cheese and I've not had a problem. I do know people in my community that have a bigger problem with rodents getting into their compost and mm. you have to be more careful mm. about putting protein sources mm. is my understanding mm. and where mine sits i haven't had any problem mm-hmm. if you have a curbside compost pickup like we were talking about last week i do believe that you could put in like meat bones and i can't do meat bones in mine it, you have to have a composting facility that gets to higher temperatures than a home one does to break down bones, though. Yeah, I, I don't do them at all because I am a vegetarian. But a lot of people are carnivores, and, and it's expensive. So people do eat meat. The dehydration, cutting it in small strips and dehydrating it, I think sounds like a brilliant idea. And that does not take a huge amount of time Mm-mm. compared to canning <laughs> or salting. Of course, these all sound like they're more time-consuming to us because we haven't done it. Once, you, once you're in the habit of, of anything, it seems a lot less time-consuming. No question. Everything seems like a burden if you haven't done it. Like, yes. But once you do it, you go, oh, that was a quick snap. And it's helping the earth. And it's helping to not have to use packaging. There's so many things that we want to do. And our purpose with this podcast, of course, is to be earth-friendly. And, and again, we're just making suggestions or ideas. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to try all this stuff myself. Oh, goodness. There are some things I do want to that I'm not going to be salting cod. I can't <laughs> see that. But I, I might try canning. And at the end of the day, it's not about being perfect. It's about doing the best we can. It's about being mindful and considerate and becoming aware and living more in alignment with our values. Absolutely. And, of course, you have a family, so you have much more of an impetus to find ways to deal with the stuff that is in the refrigerator that is, you don't even know there's in there because there's so many people who bring stuff, put stuff in, you put stuff and how people come over yes. and stuff. And for parents, it makes good modeling. Oh, Your wow. kids watch everything, at least when they're young, before they become <laughs> jaded teenagers. <laughs> and diss everything that you do so your kids are watching what you do and they learn from you and for me a big part of it is modeling for my kids that i care about earth that i care about the food that we eat i care about our family's budget and not wasting money and throwing it in the trash i care about landfills and emissions all those things just by being mindful about using up food that's in the refrigerator and cupboard Absolutely. And for what I do is just being really mindful of how much I buy and making sure that I do consume it and don't overbuy things because that's also a temptation. So things don't go bad. Right. Well, it's been great chatting with you today. Always. Thank you. Look forward to chatting with you next time. As do I. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of Earth the Kitchen Chats. Real conversations about making earth-friendlier choices in our favorite place to gather. The kitchen. Grab a cup and pull up a chair. We'll see you next week. And be sure to check the show notes for more resources and information. How do you think that one went? I feel good about it. Well, I think we kept the discussion of zesting down to a minimum this time. I felt good about that. Really? You think we didn't even mention zesting again? Possibly. I you know I discovered I don't have a zester. And to me, that's criminal. And we're going to have to do something about that. All right. I, I, I'm going to get a sister. Okay. And a community to do some 
Zesting with? Zesting. 